Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Talkin' Talkies. As always, I am Dan, and also, as always, I am joined by Chris. That's right, as always. Um, pitchers and catchers report today. So I'm kind of excited about baseball season, which means maybe a baseball movie on the horizon would be awesome. But uh, we, could do, we could do like a whole month of baseball movies. We really could. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about this after we do our little review today, guys. But uh, we actually have March now filled with requests. So I want to thank you guys for that. Um, March will be an all request month. And that doesn't mean we're not taking any more requests. It just means that we filled up an entire month with requests. So March can be request month. I'll say request Hooray! a few more times in there. And, and giantmediaball.com. It's like a giant ball made of media without the But ball. without the fleece. So excited about that. So uh, this is um, week three of four of Mel Brooksuary. And this has just been the best month so far. Not that the first four movies we reviewed were good or bad, but this is just so much fun reviewing Mel Brooks movies. Yes, and this week we did Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Also from 1974. <laughs> yep. Uh, fun like... fact, this movie was released on my negative eighth birthday. <laughs> oh, okay. December it's... 15th, 1974. <laughs> oh, sorry, so we're doing uh, negative birthdays now, okay. Yep, my negative eighth birthday was when this movie came out. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very interesting stat. When I, uh, I, I looked it up, I was like, oh, hey. Now, I believe you said you had never seen this before. Is that correct? I have never sat down and watched it beginning to end, but it turns out I had actually seen just about all of it. <laughs> That's awesome. I watched this movie when I was a junior in high school. We read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and we watched the movie, the De Niro movie. And then oh, we're like, yeah. and then they're like, hey, so let's... Uh, you guys want to watch anything else Frankenstein-related? You didn't watch the original movie? I watched the original movie in high school. Well, we watched clips from it, but... It's only like 50 minutes or something like that. It's short. Yeah, they played a clip from Young Frankenstein, and then the class kind of voted unanimously, we need to watch this whole movie. My teacher's like, all right, let's watch it. But the only problem is that it was one of those let's watch this movie in school things, so like... And you guys didn't have Blizzox scheduling? <laughs> Yeah, you know, 40-minute period, so you'd watch 40 minutes of the movie, the bell would ring, and then the, the next time you'd sit down, it'd take you forever to find the spot you were at, be like, oh, I, th I think we were here, or just just play from here, we'll watch it again. And you know how it is, kids in class, some people get distracted, blah, 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 so I never really got a good chance to see this movie, so I'm really happy I got to sit down and watch it, and it was just fantastic. Actually, in film studies, I think we watched the original, and then we watched the uh, the Robert De Niro, Kenneth Branagh one. Hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was just a standard English class I watched it in. Well, this technically was an English class. It was my se my senior year. Yeah, it sounds more take interesting. Two than two half year classes your senior year in for uh, English. My first half I took public speaking. Freaking crushed that. And the second half, I took film studies, which the teacher managed to suck all the fun out of, and I failed that. Ugh. I had, a, I had a horrible senior year in English. We spent half the year reading Greek mythology, which had so much potential to be awesome, but my teacher killed it. 
400 fat pound lady. Uh, anyway. <laughs> enough, enough angry oh, memories of school. Yes. Well, you know, as opposed to muscle pounds, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so Young Frankenstein is basically the Frankenstein story with a twist. With an ancestor. <laughs> what a twist. What a twist. So take us through, Dan. All right, Young Frankenstein is the story of Victor Frankenstein's grandson, Froderick. It's, it's Frederick. Well, why wouldn't it be Froderick? Yes, and it's Frankenstein. Uh, he, somehow, all these years later, they finally get the will of Victor. And <laughs> his, his dead hand's clutching onto the box. And we are not even told what he actually gets, but I guess we're led to believe that he has been gifted the old family castle and he has to move there. <laughs> of course, because why not? Hey, this is yours. You now have to live there. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> you must move <laughs> to Transylvania. <laughs> uh, uh, what happens there is the uh, caretaker of the, of the castle, Frau Blucher, Nays, the horses going yes. crazy. And, and why uh, do the horses go crazy? Because uh, blucher means glue. <laughs> yes. Also, I love how he gets to Transylvania on a train. Yeah, he gets on a train. <laughs> but he starts in America, and somehow he gets to he gets to a train in New York, and then all of a sudden he's in a train in in Europe. <laughs> in Europe, yes. <laughs> totally, totally legit way. Uh. But so fr the Frau, uh, it was, uh, I guess she said he was his her boyfriend. She was the girlfriend of his grandfather, and all she wants to do is trick him into becoming mad with trying to replicate the experiment, with the hope that because he is uh, not as crazy as Victor, he would get the experiment right this time. Yes, and uh, old old. Uh... Igor is there. Or uh, Igor. Igor. Yes, I love that. I love how everything is pronounced differently. The I think that was the fun one of the funniest jokes. Um and of course he's played They told by, me it was Igor. Well Dave was wrong, wasn't they? <laughs> and of course he's played by Marty Feldman, who's basically known for having his eyes be one be completely off and he just constantly bugging them out. Yep. Oh, why don't you have your phone right in the microphone? It is incredibly important that everybody know that I just received an email. It's incredibly important. Of course. Uh, so he ends up creating a new a, a new monster, but Igor is dumb and he drops the brain he wanted and he gets yes. an abnormal brain. <laughs> Abby. Abby something normal, I think. <laughs> A um, couple of favorite scenes so far in the movie. Um, when he uh, plunges the X-Acto knife into his thigh. <laughs> yeah. I laughed. Um, his research was doo-doo! Yes, doo-doo! Again, any of Gene's flip-outs are just hilarious. Classic <laughs> Gene Wilder. Vintage Gene Wilder. <laughs> um, the the book the bookshelf scene. <laughs> Grab the candle. 
Oh, God. Good. And I will put my body in the way. Now, please don't put the candle back, but push against the other side as hard <laughs> as you can. Uh, again, what makes a Mel Brooks movie so great is that there's a lot of physical humor, along with a lot of odd puns, and then just wacky stuff, like the scene where Igor tells him to walk this way, and he does. And they even they wanted to cut it originally, too. They're like, no, this is just too ridiculous. And then they did a test screening, and the audience roared with laughter, and Mel Brooks is like, like... Come on, dude, it's like five seconds. Leave yeah, Mel Brooks is like, alright. <laughs> That's totally how that happened, by the way. Exact conversation, word for word. Yeah, so yeah, it's and the monster yeah, it's is only five seconds. And the monster is Peter Boyle, which makes yeah. it so much better. The father from Everyone Loves Raymond, or Everybody Loves Raymond, or whatever the fucking name was. Everybody loves Raymond. And you know what? The funny thing is, he ends up with Madeline Kahn, and they're both dead now. Oh, so sad. <laughs> so very, very sad. Uh, so anyway, um, monster comes to life. It's exactly what you would expect. It's out there. It starts strangling him, and he tries to tell them to stop it, but <laughs> give him give him a sedative. And they're like, even though he just told them to do it, if he gets violent, they're like, what? What are you trying to say? That they do charades? Three syllables. <laughs> Set it give. Oh God. Uh, so then, what so happens that, so next? He resolves himself to educate this beast with an abnormal brain, and again, this is a Mel Brooks movie. They don't waste time showing us educating him. It's just time to show him off. He's been educated. Of course. The best part is that the monster gets loose <laughs> and he finds a little girl in the forest. And if you guys know the Frankenstein story, it doesn't end well for the kid in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to like the, oop, we don't have any of our flowers anymore. What do we do now? <laughs> Which is pretty much what the, in the original story, or at least the original movie is, they were playing with the flower, and then the flower goes away, and he's like, well, I better kill this little girl. <laughs> Pretty much. He sits on the teeter-totter and launches her back into her bedroom. Right Just her in time for, for her. Mel Brooks as her father. <laughs> That's the best thing ever. Like, I thought you put her to bed. No, I thought you put her to bed. It's like classic freaking couples who don't communicate problems. <laughs> yup. <laughs> Like, I thought you checked upstairs. I thought you checked upstairs. <laughs> I love that he also has the scene with Gene Hackman as the blind guy. That entire scene had me laughing hysterically. Oh, the blind man? That was freaking Gene Hackman? Yes. I was like, that's was, Gene Hackman, isn't it? <laughs> he was uncredited initially. But that was definitely him. My, that whole scene. The, the, I don't even really want to talk about it. I think you guys just need to go watch that scene. <laughs> what, what do you think what happened when a when a blind man that hasn't had any human interaction forever <laughs> runs into a big monster guy? Well, he offers him soup. And we see how well that turned out. Oh my god, that scene had me dying. 
But, uh, yeah, so they're, they need to, uh, show the monster off, so they do a musical number. Because, what else would you possibly do here? And, and then there's one of the fun facts I actually was able to read before my computer was like, fuck you, you have to record and do nothing else, was that they used the newer lyrics to put on the Ritz because the older lyrics are, like, super racist and stuff. <laughs> oh, see, that's... Even, even... though, even though time-wise it would have been the old lyrics. <laughs> but they're just like, yeah, yeah. No, we better do it this way. Put <laughs> on the Ritz! Apparently, there was nothing... There Also, another thing I read before my computer was like, fuck you, was that they had actually nothing planned for what the monster was going to say as response in the lyrics, and that just Peter Boyle just did whatever the fuck he wanted to. <laughs> it also made them laugh hysterically. That's another thing with the, uh, the blind man scene, when he finally, when the monster runs out, he's like, where are you going? I was going to make espresso. And they had to cut abruptly because the whole crew started cracking up. So, like, so there's an abrupt fade to black, and the reason is that everyone started laughing. Oh, God. The, uh, the constable that he encounters on the street when he's trying to bring the monster back. <laughs> oh, yeah, the dead body. <laughs> the fake hand. Again, that's like an old gag, but it was done in the Mel Brooks style, so it makes it that much funnier. Ugh. But he, uh, he gets the monster back, and he tries to do a brain transfer. And the townspeople interrupt at just the wrong moment. Of <laughs> the one, the guy with the fake arm the entire fucking movie. Oh my god. I, I actually, I almost didn't get it, but I kept laughing at everything he did. And the arm gets stuck, like, half the time. Yeah. Oh, then what the button? He visits him before he realizes that the monster's been made or whatever. And there he's got... He's got Dr. Frankenstein's back turned to him. So he just goes up, puts the puts the darts on the bullseye, and then walks back and then makes the noise using his hand. Yeah. That's, him. that's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> when he goes up to move him, he just sticks him in his arm. <laughs> But that, yeah, but they're gonna storm the castle, and their and their way of of ramming through the doors is to pick up the guy and use his fake arm as a battering ram. Of course. Oh my god, it's just so much. There's just so much good stuff that they threw in here, just like little jokes and gags. And apparently, the movie ran like three times as long, and they were convinced it was gonna fail because they're like, man, these jokes just aren't working. So they did this huge editing session, and we're just like, let's just leave in all the jokes that work. And I don't even want to see any of the jokes that didn't work, because I think the movie had the perfect blend of physical humor and just, like, random fourth-wall breaking, which is Mel Brooks style. Like, I, I think it was just... It had perfect pacing for a comedy from the 70s. It, it's hard to really say anything anything bad about this, because... It is the longest of the three Mel Brooks movies we've seen so far. Yeah, it's like one... Because the and... other ones were like exactly an hour and a half. Yeah, it's like an hour and like 41 minutes or something like that. It's <laughs> There's an extra 11 minutes of footage. But, um... The monster ends up with... 
<laughs> Dr. Frankenstein's now ex-fiance <laughs> when he uh, shows off how well endowed he is. And they sleep together. And apparently that turns her into an opera singer. Yes, oh, sweet mystery of life, at last I found you. Yes, and of course, he sleeps with his new assistant up top where the he had the monster on the platform, which I thought was freaking hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, Terry Gar. And then she turns into the bride of Frankenstein, but just with the hairstyle, and they become like an old married couple where he's sitting in bed reading the Wall Street Journal with his reading glasses on. Oh, man. This movie is... Um, it, it, it's hard to, to really rank it because it's different, but at this, it's still got all that Mel Brooks feel to it, but it's got a different vibe than his normal films, and I think that's a lot... has a lot to do with the fact that Gene Wilder helped write it. It was his idea. Right. That, well, that was the deal for him agreeing to come on to Blazing Saddles at the last minute was, I'll do this for you, but next time you do my movie idea. And it was Young Frankenstein. And it was great. And, of course, this movie is in black and white, which the uh, which, which Fox did not want to have happen. And then I think he showed a cut of it to somebody important. And they're like, yeah, this needs to be black and white. I'll tell everyone to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, and it got released in black and white. Not only is it filmed in black and white... But it's also uh, filmed as if it was in the 1920s. Like, the audio sounds like old audio. It, it doesn't... Watch this movie compared to Blazing Saddles, which, of course, came out the same year, and you'll notice a distinction in the quality. Like, they purposely made it sound older, which is actually pretty cool for a movie that came out in 1974. And if you pay attention to the opening credits, it does say special thanks for the original... Frankenstein Laboratory set. So they actually yes. had the original set for this yes, movie. they actually rented it, which is freaking awesome. They de they definitely uh, took this one seriously, which is great. I mean, this wasn't his, uh, his third film, obviously, because as far as the chronological order goes, but this and Blazing Saddles were like the Mel Brooks skyrocket moment for me. I think a lot of people would agree with that. That these are the two movies that really helped make him and cement him. And they've they've got great reviews and everything. And Dan's got a couple of stats about how well this movie did. Oh, we've got we've got Oscar nominations. It was nominated for a Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound, but of course it didn't win either. Because uh, of course, of course not. Uh, and money-wise, this movie cost about $2.8 million, and it made 86.3 in the United States alone. Wow. So, so so good for Mel Brooks. So things have definitely turned around since The Producers, which, again, has yet to, to still yet to make its money back. Yeah. Um, as far as that single first movie is, I'm sure he's more than made it up with the second movie and all the, all the plays and stuff everywhere. When uh, when Gene Wilder throws the dart off camera, and you hear that cat screaming, that was actually Mel Brooks ad libbing <laughs> on the set. <laughs> I love that scene because at the end he drives away and 
back tire is popped because of all of this <laughs> the darts. <laughs> um, one stat I absolutely love is that uh, the band Aerosmith, who I'm a big fan of, they took this big break from a long night of recording and they all went out together and watched this movie and the very next day Steven Tyler wrote the song Walk This Way all because of the way that Igor walks in the first scene where he says, walk this way this way and Steven Tyler's like, I need to make a song about that so for those of you guys who are Aerosmith fans, especially fans of Walk This Way, which is one of their biggest hits you can thank Young Frankenstein for the idea Um, I think I've talked about as most of the other really interesting facts. We said that this was Gene Wilder's idea and they wrote it together. Um, They only ever had one fight while they were working together. And after Mel Brooks stormed out, he called Gene Wilder like 10 minutes later. And he's like, who was that jerk that was flipping out at you in your apartment? What a jerk. Don't ever invite him back. And Gene Wilder's like, that was Mel's way of apologizing. <laughs> uh, yeah, really good stuff. Um, the whole reason they got Peter Boyle and Marty Feldman to appear with Gene Wilder is because they had the same agent that worked with the movie studio. So that kind of got them all together. And uh, the skulls they used in the movie were real, except for the one that was only six months dead, obviously. Um, and the clock at the beginning, yes, and the clock at the beginning of the movie, it chimes 13 times. It's about, uh, really as much as I could say. Um, yeah, like I said, a lot of, a lot of jokes got cut. They're just like, this is too long, this is gonna be a bomb, and all this other stuff, so they cut it, they kept what they felt worked, and I don't think any jokes missed the mark. So I think they did a great job editing it. And uh, you guys that listen to the show, and thank you for that, you got a couple of comments. So let's uh, let's read some uh, favorite moments and comments for the movie. I got uh, my buddy Rich Bennett, who worked with me at the Disney Safari, <laughs> simply wrote, What knockers? <laughs> Referencing the giant door knockers at the beginning of the movie. Although, she thinks you're talking about her. Um, My buddy Don Mobius, one of our regulars on the Club Kayfabe podcast, the wrestling podcast, he's one of our regular listeners, definitely pointed out the putting on the rid scene. And Matthew Anderson, an Australian listener, also a Club Kayfabe regular, was just like, set a give! So those are a couple of favorite scenes there. Um, Matthew McFarland, who is another regular, I should say, um, just commented how much he enjoyed the movie. Nothing too special, just great film. And uh, Taylor Chadwick, another Club Cafe regular. Got a lot of our wrestling crew coming over to listen to the show. He, he says that this is an amazing film for all generations and remembers when his brother was three and he knew the entire my grandfather's work was doo-doo part by heart. They actually had to get three copies of the film for each member of the family because that's how in demand this movie was among them. And that's actually pretty cool. And then another regular listener, Denzel Thomas, Pennsylvania boy, just like me, well, Jersey boy who's in Pennsylvania now, pointed out that his favorite number was 
honestly, what else would it be? Putting on the Ritz. And he's also a big fan of the line where he says, Dr. Frankenstein, will you help me with the bags? And Eeyore goes, certainly. You take the blonde, and I'll take the one with the turban. <laughs> um, again, another one of those movies that's absolutely full of quotes, full of memorable lines, full of great visual gags, full of great subtle references. And uh, all in all, I absolutely loved it just like I loved his other movies so far. Uh, big thumbs up from me. What do you think, sir? Yes, yes. Absolutely. Watch it. Yes, absolutely watch it. Well, it, it, you should have watched it, because the gimmick of the show is that you watch the movie with us, so you think we can discuss it. So you should have watched it already. But if you haven't, go watch it. Do yourself a favor... Red box it. If you still do the DVD thing from Netflix, rent it, whatever. See this movie. See all the Brooks movies. Young Frankenstein. Yes, I would recommend. All right, guys. So as we have mentioned before, we've got a lot planned coming up. And here is the current plan for our films. We are going to end Mel Brooksuary next week with our finale, which will be History of the World Part 1, which I am particularly excited about because I have never seen this movie. Oh. I have it's not. It's good to be a king. Yes. I am very, very excited about watching this movie. This will be my first time viewing it, so I hope it is He's as a good... stand-up philosopher. Stop. Don't. Stop. Let the jokes come to me. And uh, March, we have officially filled up with requests, and we are going to watch a little bit more than four movies. We're actually going to watch seven movies in March, because we're going to do our very first trilogy and our very first two-parter in one episode. Our first week in March, we're going to do the Back to the Future trilogy, which I own on Blu-ray, so I'm looking forward to just firing that up in some high definition and enjoying it. And we're going to do it as a trilogy rather than just uh, do one, two, and three, three weeks in a row. Just because it's going to be a new experiment to see how we do as far as a three-movie show goes. It might be a little bit lengthy, and we may not do so many in the future, but it's going to basically be an experimental show. I don't mind sitting down and watching all three Back to the Future movies. I just watched one and two very recently. And I haven't seen three in a long, long time, so that's going to be a cool one for me. Uh, the next request we had coming up is going to be Donnie Darko. After that, we're going to do the Kill Bill movies. Now, that's one that even if the format was going to run long, I think we would just do them together anyway, because they really are one movie. They only split into two parts because it ran so damn long. Tarantino's like, uh, yeah, I think I'll just do it this way. And then our final request for March was going to be Fight Club which I just watched about a year ago, I want to say. It's the last time I saw that movie. I so this... have only seen the last 20 minutes. Oh, okay. So, so spoilies! <laughs> so, so you, you, you kind of know what happened. But you know what? Maybe that'll actually make you enjoy the movie better, because you'll, you'll see everything that happens leading up to it, and you'll just be like, wow. And we'll talk about the, uh, the spoilies there. Um, that's another reason why I'm excited to watch Donnie Darko again, because... I want to actually watch it with that open yeah, mind. Yeah, I've seen... I saw Donnie Darko like four months ago for the first time. 
So now uh, I know what to look for and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Of just cause... going like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then at the very end, having to think for a half hour before I realize what the <laughs> fuck happened. Yep. So there's actually advantages to things like that. Um, April right now is open. Like I said, we're not we're gonna still be taking requests, but we're certainly not in need of them because we've got a huge hit list to hit. But with a baseball season coming pretty soon, I think we might throw a baseball movie in there for April. Um, if any of you guys out there have suggestions of a couple of good baseball movies for us to check out, let us know. We'll definitely be up for suggestions. I I, I got matter. two. We're in... gonna watch a League of Their Own anyway. <laughs> a League of Their Own is on our hit list, so. Yes, there's that. Um, per personally speaking, I would definitely watch Major League and The Natural, or Beer League, which is Joey Image's favorite movie. And he introduced me to that, and I'm so glad he did, because it's one of my favorite comedies now. But uh, that's our plan. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Dan, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, you get a run, you drink a beer. <laughs> hey, we know how to play softball. All right, next week, guys, History of the World Part 1. Check it out, and we'll join you then. Jews in Spain.